Hi, this is Johnny Whitaker, or John O. Whitaker Jr., remembered from Family Affairs, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. And you are listening to Then Is Now Podcast. Warning, warning. Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good. It's scary. Welcome to 13 Days of Halloween. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Is Now Podcast's 2023 13 Days of Hallotober event. This year's topic is werewolf movies, and joining me on this episode once again is my kill. Glad to have you back, man. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I'm curious. I as I was working on, you know, getting these notes together for the show, I a, a thought came to mind. Now, how long have you lived in Hawaii? Eleven years. 11 years okay so when, wow jesus christ time flies <laughs> i know right jesus it's nuts in all that time have you heard of any werewolf type legends there or any other you know cryptozoological things or scary myths and legends no the only uh, not not anything creature oriented the only thing that i <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> the only thing that i've uh heard is a couple of like ghosty kind of things like um there's one that's I guess it's sort of like an urban legend slash ghost story thing where there's a certain point on a certain highway and I guess one of the one of the old Polynesian gods will sometimes appear as a woman stranded on the side of the road and if you blow if you blow past her and don't pick her up supposedly bad luck will happen to you but if you stop to pick her up she might not even be there <clears throat> or she might get in the car and then while you're driving kind of vanish or whatever but um i i don't know it's just this weird like yeah. thing where if, if you cross them and then there's this other thing called the i have to do more reading about it but it's called the the night marchers huh. and it's like a, a whole group of um like hawaiian soul not soldiers well i guess like soldiers but like you know, like headdress, spear carrying kind of soldiers, like way, warriors, way, way back. Yeah. What warriors? Thank you. Um, <laughs> vocabulary part of my brain is not awake yet. <laughs> I know it's already. Uh, but, it, <clears throat> but there's like certain. I guess there's a certain. Time, I don't know if it's. It, I don't think it's every night, or I think it's just once in a while people see them or hear them or um, whatever. And I, I would have to look into it more but apparently they travel all as a group and if you if you like cross their path or if you don't like get out of the way or you don't 
avert your eyes or something. There's something like, you know, it's, 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 it could be bad luck for you if you don't like respect them as they pass. Oh, wow. But I haven't heard any cryptozoological stuff. Okay. Interesting. I was just curious, you know, I was like writing it, uh, you know, like I said, I was working on my notes and I was like, gee, I wonder what's going on in Hawaii. <laughs> Interesting. All right, folks. So we're going to get right into it. Today's film is Wolf from 1994, directed by the legendary Mike Nichols and starring the equally legendary Jack Nicholson, as well as James Spader and Michelle Pfeiffer. A wolf bit me. I don't think so, Will. You weren't there, Will. Not all who are bitten change. There must be something wild within. You've been sleeping all day. How do you feel? I feel... Good. It is Mexican. Independence Day. I thought I'd meet a good man who looked to me the way you do. You don't know I'm a good man. Are you crazy? No. I'm just marking my territory. We got five new murders. What is there about a full moon? After being bitten by a wolf in rural Vermont, aging book editor Will Randall finds himself full of youthful vigor. Randall then discovers that he's been fired and replaced by Stuart Swinton, a vicious young executive. As Randall struggles to regain his position, he becomes enthralled with Laura Alden, his former boss's daughter. Soon, as increasingly animal-like urges begin to overwhelm him, Randall worries that he may be a werewolf. So... Do you recall when you first saw this? Did we see this in the movies together? Yes. Okay. All right. I, thought I, mean, so. I know I saw it in the theater. I'm 90% sure it was with you. Yeah. And I'm 90% sure that one of the Chris's was there. Chris Baskin and Chris Masha. So. One of, yes. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> I think it, yeah, I don't know for sure. I was going to say I'm pretty sure it's Chris Baskin, but I'm not sure. I just associate Chris Baskin with werewolf movies. So. Right, right. Because um, <clears throat> he always talked about werewolves. But. Yeah. Um, so what was your first impression when you saw it? I remember, you know, it's funny watching it this time. I w was really, really enjoying lots of bits of it that I just kind of disregarded before. Um, I remember when I first saw it in the theater kind of being underwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, in some ways I was like, eh, you know, I think, I think I, it, at the time I was like, <clears throat> well, you know, they're not even turning into full werewolves and, this, you know, storyline is, um, 
No, not storyline. What was it that, uh, fuck, my brain is not working. Uh, I remember I didn't love it. I remember I didn't love it when I first saw it. I was going to add one more little nugget in there about why, and I, I'm blanking. Hmm. Oh, he was killed. This is another movie where he was killed by regular bullets. Remember we were talking about yes. this the other day? Yeah. Um, sorry, I just jumped ahead to the ending there. That's fine. Spoiler <laughs> but, alert. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we were talking about the other day, werewolf movies where, you know, they get shot by regular bullets and they die. And, you know, I, I, I think a couple of things made me go, eh, this doesn't fit my criteria for, you know, a werewolf movie. But, um, and I had seen it once or twice since, you know, between then and now, but, uh, this time when I watched it, I really appreciated it a lot more on, on, on many levels. So what about you? Do you remember if you liked it or not when you first? Yeah, I remember, it? um, obviously seeing it in the movies, but, um, yeah, I remember being underwhelmed. Uh, the same thing bothered me, the lack of silver bullets, but I do remember kind of um, really loving the concept of Jack Nicholson's character developing these powers and, you know, following his psychological change from nebbish guy to badass. I remember really loving it. But obviously I didn't love it too much because I don't own it on DVD. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, you know, it was one I, I may have watched it once since then. I mean, it came out in 94 and it's almost, what, 30 years later. Um, but this time around, I, I got the same reaction. I, I got a lot more out of it. And mm. one big thing that I pulled from it is, and we'll get into it in much more detail later, but, um, he wasn't so much a werewolf as he was a man becoming a wolf. Yeah. And th there's a character in the movie that even states that that's what's happening to him. And I guess, you know, like you said, we all had, we walked in with the howling and the American Wolf in London and all these other preconceived notions in our head. So when it didn't deliver on that level, we kind of dismissed it. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk more in depth about that later, but I want to talk about the director and, and the cast and all that. So, of course, okay. Mike Nichols, who directed The Graduate. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Silkwood. He's got so many awesome films under his belt. What did, what did you think of his directing here? I thought it was really good. Um, I thought this, this – I don't know what the deal is, but this time around, I wasn't – I feel like this time around when I watched it, I wasn't really looking at it as as a overall movie. I was kind of savoring – the little scenes, like each scene, like, oh, that angle's really cool. Those shadows are really cool. Oh, the way she did that, you know, before she picked up the thing, the look she gave him, you know, all, all, all these little bits, like the music and the, like, I, I feel like I was concentrated more on, like, I don't know, the aesthetics of it or the, even though, but even the script, I mean, there were some exchanges where I was like, oh, that was, that was clever. That could have been a lot more flat, but it was really, you know. It really worked. So, you know, it wasn't one of I, – maybe this is another thing. When I first see a movie, I'm, I'm trying to get the, the broad stroke. Like I'm trying to get, okay, I'm enjoying it, but I, I want to know, like, where does it go? How does it end? And then I can back up and think about it as a whole unit, whereas now I had seen it before, so I knew the gist, and I just was focusing on a bunch of little things. So, yeah, I thought the directing was great. There were a lot of very, very cool sequences. Um, the the – the, the use of slow motion, I think, was well um, not overdone. Yes. You know, some movies, they way overdo it. Yeah, I agree. Like you know, Braveheart could have been like an hour and a half shorter if they had just <laughs> off on all the slow-mo. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, no, I love Braveheart, though. I know. It's one but, of my um, favorites. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but it was. Well, you're I thought the your first impression. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like it was all all well handled. Yeah. Yes. Actually, it wasn't your first impression. We were talking about Mike Nichols, but yeah, he did a great job. I mean, have you seen The Graduate and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I've seen The Graduate and I've seen Silkwood, but I don't think I've seen Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Okay. It's based on a play, isn't it? It is. It is. It's got yeah. Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. It's it's really good. It's a, it's a really good tale. And it's, it's basically, you know, these four people, not trapped, but they're kind of the whole story centers around these four, these two couples in this one location. And, you know, there's alcoholism and all, just all this craziness going well, on. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. Like last year, I think I watched. Oh, OK. Yes, yes, I yeah. did see that. So and it's funny because um, recently and the show's already been released, so the folks will have heard it by now. There's um, a couple guys made a movie called Eight Found Dead, and their huge inspiration for this horror film was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and it was the, the whole you know the claustrophobic nature of these four people being in this place and the craziness that goes on. So uh-huh. um, very inspiring. I think it was originally based on a book, if I'm not mistaken, but that's a story for another episode. Yeah. So our writers on Wolf are a guy named Jim Harrison, who also wrote Legends of the Fall and not too much else, um, and another guy named Wesley Strick, who wrote Arachnophobia, as uh-huh. well as... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was laughing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. I, that was the last movie I took my Nana to see in the theater before she couldn't go uh, to the movies anymore. Or actually, before they closed down the Stoneham Cinema. Uh, um. But was great. He also wrote one that I had forgotten about, and I remember you and me and our friends. We used to love this movie. It was called True Believer with James Woods, and I don't remember anything about it except that he was a lawyer, a pot smoking lawyer with a ponytail. You know, the only thing I remember about that, I don't even remember the movie. I know I saw, I saw it. Yeah, I don't really remember the movie, but I remember uh, James Woods being on Letterman or some late night show. he said they were shooting a scene where he had to like, um, like slam into a door with his shoulder and and bash it open, and um, while they were doing the scene, uh, uh, you know, a few takes. One time when he did it, a splinter from the door, um, like somehow flipped at a weird angle and got stuck in his eye. Oh, like at an angle, like up the up at the top, uh, like they were able to just like you know. Take take it out. It didn't go like through his eyeball or anything, but it just kind of went twink. Oh, <laughs> ouch! And he, you know, everyone was like, "Go, go, go!" You know, oh so, my god, that's terrible. Yeah, <clears throat> I have a feeling that that movie was our our first introduction to James Woods because then he yeah. would go on to make you know the Hard Way and of course the uh, infamous John Carpenter's Vampires. You and I had yeah. an interesting conversation with. Uh, yes, we, yes, we did. <laughs> um, I hope he, that. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say something rude, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let that one lie. I'll let that go. <laughs> um, and I do have to say that he also did the god-awful remake of Cape Fear. So I guess two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> but Who Mike Nichols did? Uh, no, Wesley Strick, one of the writers. Oh, Wesley Strick, the writer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, oh, I fucking hated that movie. because the. Have you seen – you saw that. I think you saw that with me too, with uh, Robert De Niro and Nick Nolte. I think I may have seen it once, yeah. but I don't remember it really. See, yeah. in the original, Gregory Peck is the main character, and his character is, he's this lawyer who's above reproach. And um, what's his name? Oh, fans are going to kill me. It'll come to me. Oh, James Mitchum is the, uh, Robert Mitchum, I'm sorry, is the um, the villain, Max Cady. 
And uh-huh. throughout the whole movie, he ends up, he's terrorizing Gregory Peck's character and his family and throughout the whole movie. And then he, he finally brings him down to his, his own level where Gregory Peck ends up having to try to kill him. And in the remake, Nick Nolte was a corrupt lawyer who was cheating on his wife. So there was no, there was no character arc. There was no fall from grace for him. Mm-hmm. And I hated that movie, you know. All right, yeah, the scene with De Niro smoking the cigar in the theater and laughing obnoxiously was funny, but beyond that, the movie just sucked. Yeah. So I, I hate when they do something like that to like, oh well, you know, we have to make it more modern day and real. Nobody would believe in a in a uh, you know a, a guy with morals, a, an upstanding guy doesn't right. exist anymore. So we don't <laughs> give him an, a, a you know a corrupt prick. There's no more upstanding lawyers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe that is true. I don't know. But can we, uh, you know, pretend? I mean, it's movies. It's make believe. Can't you pretend there's one? <laughs> right. It, it fucks up the story. I don't like Nick Nolte anyway. So, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I've never been the, the biggest fan of his either. It's like Nick Nolte and and uh, who's the other one? Um, Gary Busey. I just can't stand the two of them. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Busey's had some good that. roles, like in uh, Predators and uh, uh, what's Point Break. Lethal Weapon. Oh, and Lethal Weapon, yes, Mr. Joshua. But anyways, our cast yeah. includes Jack Nicholson as Will Randall. You know, what can we say about this guy's career that hasn't been said? Mm. I mean, the movies he's been in, Easy Rider, The Shining, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There's just a thousand more that you could list. Oh, yeah. He's just excellent in everything he does. And uh, he he... In in half of the roles he's had in other movies, he just has a little edge of like ferocity about him. Yes. Or like that there's he may look calm on his face, but you can tell there's something rumbling under the surface. Yeah. <laughs> so when it when he was in this movie as a werewolf, I mean as well whatever he is, yeah, werewolf, he uh, <clears throat> it, it just seemed, it was like a perfect fit. It was like oh this is awesome, you know. Yeah. And he, he, I really bought it because it was funny. This time around watching it, I kind of forgot the progression of his character. And and I'm like, oh, man, he's playing such a schlub here. What the hell? And then mm. when you see him start to develop the powers and, and start to become more confident in himself, I'm like, oh, okay. And he, it re- Like his whole demeanor changes halfway mm-hmm. through the movie where he's just yeah. like, he's not going to take shit from his boss anymore. <laughs> mm. Which I almost think, too, that that's kind of like a – Almost in every man's fantasy is, you know, you're in this dead end job, but maybe you kind of like it. Maybe you don't. And then now, you know, you know, you're always walking on eggshells because you could get fired at any moment. And it's like you just wish you had the balls to just stand up to the people in charge and tell them how it is, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He he was kind of a that's the thing is like he wasn't when the movie starts out, he's not like Jack fucking Nicholson. He's right. like this dude who's. Kind of a like you said, schlub. That's a good. That's a good word. And then yeah, it was like a. It was like a progression. Like he little by little started to, and he didn't like. I, I don't know. I just thought it was really well done. Like he didn't completely snap like from one to the other that real quick. Like yeah, he in certain situations where he had every reason to be like really pissed, he didn't like wolf like wolf out and like overdo it. Is at times like when he found out his wife was cheating on him, he just like looked at her right in the doorway and then walked away. And it was like, okay, he, you know, at this point he's getting a little wolfy. He could have just like ripped her face off, but he didn't. He just walked away from her. 
And I, yeah, I, I turned like, to my wife at the end of that scene where he's walking out and he he's face to face with James Spader, and then he just walks past him. I'm like, man, if that was me, I would have fucking punched him in the head and threw him down the stairs. I know. <laughs> I know. Me too. Yeah. Just like when he opened the door, just like break his nose with my fist and then go up and find my wife. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't. Uh, that, yeah. That. But again, that. At that point, that wasn't really his character. He was, he, he, I guess he was more mad that his wife had betrayed him, but the Spader's character and he were like, he was like a, it was like a mentor mentee relationship, wasn't it? Or they knew yes. each other, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And he, he, it was funny because it was kind of obvious as the viewer that Spader was talking out of both sides of his face. Mm-hmm. But the people in the room with him were believing what he was saying. Mm hmm. You know, and you were like, no, this guy's way too smooth. He's he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know, and speaking of Spader, and of course, he plays Stuart Swinton here. Uh, this was him back when he had hair. <laughs> and, right. you know, down through the years, he's always I've always liked him as an actor. He was in the original Stargate movie, which I hated, although I did like the TV show. But um, he was good in that. I think his claim to fame was the movie Sex, Lies and Videotapes, which I don't think I've ever seen. Um. Uh, he's also, I, I, of course. Oh, sorry. What? I, 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 I. Why can I not talk today? Jesus. <laughs> um, I've seen Sex Lies and Videotape a couple of times. He was in that, but I, I feel like maybe he was known for something before that. But I, I wasn't he in like some John Hughes like teen high school comedy eighties thing, like Pretty in Pink or something. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to look or it up. Before Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I think he was like a teen kind of heartthrob. I think that, you're right, that, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember now which movie. I'll just look it up quick because I can always cut this part out. Hello? 16 Candles or or, or something? It's Oh, I can see the poster now and he's on it. It's not. Uh, might be pretty in pink. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see, James Spader. He plays a guy named Roger Clink in Speaking of Sex. <laughs> Shoots. Okay, uh, Endless Love, Diner. Oh, he was in Diner. Uh, the Kill in the Family, Family Secrets, Tough Turf, The New Kids, Stark. Oh, yeah, Pretty in Pink. That's him, yeah. Oh, okay. And he was in Mannequin, too. Right, right. Right. He was also in one, and while I've got it, yeah, it's called Crash. It's a, we, You and I have covered a few Dave Cronenberg films now on the Fright Lounge. Um, he did a David Cronenberg film called Crash, where it's basically these people. I think it's this couple. Oh, that I get remember off on that car accidents. Yes, and that was just super creepy. How twisted is that? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Oh man, but he's really good here as the the you know the character you love to hate because he's such an asshole. But he was also um. Let me just mention too, he's of course the voice of Ultron in the Marvel films, the Avengers movies. Oh, right, right. And he was on, I remember him being on Boston Legal with uh, William Shatner, and I loved that show. And he's also in a newer show called The Blacklist, which I've never watched, but I've heard good things about it. Newer show, I should say. It's been around for a while. Um, Then we've got Michelle Pfeiffer, who plays Laura Alden. She's just so fucking hot. Every time, even now, like when she was in the Ant-Man movies, she's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I mean, she's just stunning. She's just off the charts. Like, you can't 
every scene that I was watching in this movie where they were showing her, I was like just looking at like the, the, the artistry of her features, you know, like her, yeah, the shape of her nose and the way her, the, her jaw and her cheekbones come around. It's like, Oh my God, this woman like was built in a factory or something. She's, um, <clears throat> but also I think her character in this is really cool. Cause she's, she's got, uh, she's very, she's like, I'm trying to not use buzzwords. She's um, a strong, independent woman. Okay, there, I said it. Well, um, I, I called her sort of uh, an, an apo- uh, oh, Hold on, let me find it in my notes. But she was, but she's not like the... She's an uh, unapologetic bad girl. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not articulate today. I don't know it's what the okay. problem is. It's early for you. But, but she... Um, the script, I think, and her performance made that character so much more interesting than just, oh, this is the woman in the movie or this is the girlfriend in the movie who, you know, the love interest and she's on the periphery while things are happening. And then, you know, she was always like getting it right into the middle of it. And, you know, in scenes where Stuart was trying to intimidate her, she sort of played along with him instead of like just peeing her pants and screaming, you know. Right, right. And she used a fire extinguisher against him and. Clocked oh, yeah. in the head with it. She went and got a pitchfork. Like she did all the smart stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she just adapted to whatever the situation that was happening and just went with it instead of being like, <laughs> right, right, yeah. She wasn't the screamy. Scream but at the same queen. time, she she was believably shaken by things that were completely uh, you know out of the ordinary. But she didn't stay in that you know helpless mindset she she adapted i like i like her character especially that moment when the cop tells her that they found canine dna not jack nicholson's dna and just the look on her face when she's like oh shit he was telling the truth Mm -hmm. (laughs) well that's what i mean is she's there's a lot of gorgeous actresses out there who can't convey things with their eyes and can't you know she's just she's really really good actress beyond above and beyond i'll always remember her in scarface oh yeah i always think about her being in that club in Scarface with the tinsely dress and the yeah, he's getting pissed at her. <laughs> See, for me, the first time I I remember seeing her and, and falling in love with her was Lady Hawk. She was just so beautiful in that moment. Oh too. yeah, where she, what she's a hawk by day and Rutger Howe is a wolf by night, and they they only see each other for a few seconds when it's you know dusk and dawn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's such a good movie. I, that's one that we should revisit at some point. Um, on the yeah. Show. And uh, she was also in Witches of Eastwick with Nicholson. And uh, Dangerous right. Liaisons. Just tons and tons of movies. I guess Sharon Stone was originally offered this role, but she turned it down, which I think is uh, a Okay, I can totally see how that... I can see why the casting people would have wanted Sharon Stone for this, yeah. but I think Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer was... Great, great in it. And I think at this point in 1994, Sharon Stone would have had the equal looks and the acting chops to maybe pull it off. I think mm-hmm. nowadays she's kind of lost a lot of that. But um, the, but back in the day, what, in the late 80s to the mid-90s, she was just hot and, and rollicking. You know, she just had mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah. She has, she has a, a little bit of a rougher edge to her than Michelle Pfeiffer does. I, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer... The character would have been the same, of course, but there was a little, I don't know, I guess you, you never know because you can't see them compared to each other, you know. Right, right. You know, but um, 
don't know. I kind of I kind of liked there was there's a little bit. Michelle Viber has like a little bit softer. There's like a like a ten percent more like soft femininity to Michelle Viber. That's true. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Where to me, like she's she was. I don't know. She, she's she's not like stereotypically badass, you know. So when her badassery comes comes through, um, he even there's even a bit in that there's even some lines in the movie where he talks to her about how she looks, uh, when they're sitting there having the the, the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Then he's like, right. Well, you know, people, you know, you think people are going to be interested in you because you're beautiful, but you're busy just kind of like, you know, getting people's or you wish people could see past that and find out about the real you. But the only reason, you know, is this whole pop psychology thing. And she's like, are you done? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 whatever. But anyway, I don't know what I'm saying. That's um, fine. No, you, you were, I guess your point was, that, you know, Sharon Stone has more of an edge to her and it would it was more believable for for Michelle Pfeiffer to sort of take the arc that her character does in this movie. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, another actor I, I wanted to mention was uh, the awesome Christopher Plummer, who plays uh, Jack Nicholson's boss, Raymond Alden. Uh, mm. Of course, everyone knows him from Sound of Music. He's great in that, leading his family in Escape from the Nazis. Uh, he was, in, of course, Star Trek VI as Chang. He's just been in so many good movies. He's not given a lot to do here, but what he does, I thought he sort of brings this gravitas to the film. Yeah. Did you ever see the Spike Lee movie Inside Man with Denzel Washington and Willem Dafoe about no. the bank and uh, 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 Clive Owen? It's about like a bank heist. No. Um, Christopher Plummer has a really small role in that, but that I fucking love that movie. Yeah. It's fucked up, but it's really, really, really good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Whenever he shows up in something, it's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Um, all right. So now, did you recognize this actor, or I should say, actress, when uh, Jack Nicholson's character, uh, around the time he he's thinking he's going to get fired, and he's starting to talk to people um, mm-hmm. about you know other like so he works for this publishing firm, and he's right. an editor, and so he he starts talking to writers, trying to get them on board with him. So if, if the company makes him go, they'll go along with him and he'll start up a new company. And he goes right. into, I don't know if it was in his office or another room, and this lady named Maud, this older British lady, is talking to him. Did you recognize her? She was one of the writers, not of the movie. She, but you know. I, She looked familiar, but I couldn't place her. That's Prunella Scales, a.k.a. Mrs. Faulty from Faulty Towers. Shut the hell up. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Oh my god! <laughs> I recognize her right away. I was like, "Oh my god, it's Mrs. Faulty!" <laughs> wow! Oh my god, I never would have guessed that that was her. <laughs> now that you say it, it's like, of course, you know. Now, now, now right. that you said that, Sybil oh, Faulty, wow. Sib Ill, I was as like, well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god, I used to love that show. Yeah, I I saw her and I was like, why? Where have I seen this woman? I, she doesn't, you know. Didn't ring any bells, but oh my god, that's right! Wow. <laughs> oh, man, it was so it was so fun seeing her. I, I'd have to. I want to look and see what other things she's been in that maybe we just didn't even notice. She's been like acting the, that whole time since, like she's been an, an actor her whole life. I would imagine. I mean, she's towers all the way. Twenty, roughly what? Twenty years after Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers was mid seventies. Oh yeah, yeah, ninety four. Yeah. I just she's just so funny. Oh yeah, she was in Howard's End. I forgot about that. She was really no, she wasn't really old in that. She that was nineteen ninety two. 
That's a movie I used to love. I haven't seen in ages. Uh, oh, geez. She was in The Boys from Brazil, which is the movie with uh, Gregory Peck where they were cloning Hitler from 78. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah. I saw that when I was a kid. That scared the crap out of me. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing a whole bunch of other stuff that you and I might know. It seems like maybe a, like Keeping uh, Mum. That's probably a lot of British stuff. Uh. Um, she was in a Dennis the Menace TV series from the 90s, which I didn't even know. Faulty <laughs> uh, Towers was so goddamn funny, though. My God. Oh, my God. I'm just now I want to I want to know. a great show. Know. And that is. That's another one that, yeah. Uh, 75 to 79, 12 episodes. Faulty Towers. Only 12 episodes? Only 12 episodes. Oh, my God. I thought it was, like, on for five or six seasons. I know. I know. Well, those British shows, they only do a handful of episodes. They they, they are into quality over quantity. So rather than yeah. trying to fill a season with 22 to 25 episodes, they'll do six to ten episodes, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're always really good, you know? Yeah. So I don't know why I keep losing my place here. Okay. <clears throat> so then also, of course, and I'm sure you recognize him, the guy playing Roy McAllister was, of course, David Hyde Pierce. Niles yes. from Frasier. Yes. And the voice of Abe Sapien from the original Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of what... I know I've seen him in other stuff, but I just can't think of what he's been in. Mm-hmm. But He was in a, a semi-horror movie called The Perfect Host. Huh. Where, like, a guy who's... A guy robs a store or something and is trying to get away from the police, and he... Uh, runs into this random neighborhood and like hides the money somewhere and then knocks on the door and is pretending that he's trying to get off the street so the police won't find him. And, um, David Hyde Pierce is, is in the house, like preparing for guests and, and the guy is the whole thing. And then he lets the guy in and then it, it gets really weird, but <laughs> it's good. It's, it's a horror movie. I've seen it a couple of times. It's actually good. I have to check that out. That sounds pretty good. You know, and there's one line in here. Now, <clears throat> when I think about it in my head, it reminds me that I, Chris Masha and his girlfriend Allie at the time definitely went with us because I remember them two loving the line where um, uh, Jack Nicholson, I forget what it, exactly he says. He says, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And, and James Hyde Pierce goes, you are my God. And he runs out of the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it had something to do with, starting a rumor or printing a headline or doing something that made it made something seem like it was true. But, and David A. Pierce was like, well, is that true? And, and, uh, Nicholson said something like, well, not yet, or we'll have to wait and see like, like kind of a wink, wink kind yeah, of thing. And yeah. He was like, Oh, you're my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think now that I think about it, he was, he would, they were going to make up lies about the company to make the company sound bad so that the writers would jump on board with them and either oh, start their right. own company or go to another publisher. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, all right. Here's another one. Did you recognize Dr. Ralph, who was Jack Nicholson's doctor in this? Yes. Uh, but he was in Alias, wasn't he? He was the and boss, was, Arvin Sloan. He was Sloan in Alias, and yeah. then he was also the uh, the mayor, I think, in L.A. Confidential. Yeah. No, he was the DA in that. The DA, the DA. Yeah. <clears throat> And, and they like dangled him out of the dangled him out of his office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's another what what you call a utility actor. He's in everything. Does a good job. Yeah, 
You know, he was great <laughs> as the villain in Alias. He was so good in that. Oh yeah. So yeah, um, this this show was a uh, show. This movie was filmed in New York City, Long Island, Los Angeles. Um, I guess the mass. The, I'm sorry. The the mansion was filmed in uh, Old Westbury Gardens in Nassau County, New York. And then the publishing offices was the Bra- the Bradbury Building in downtown L.A., which has been we've seen that in a lot of movies. In fact, it, I could be wrong, but didn't it look like the the building from um, Blade Runner with the elevator in the center? It had a similar design, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That building's gorgeous on the inside. Like in in this movie, like when he goes out to the the railing and like is listening, and you can see that whole big wide open floor with the elevator and the staircases, and the, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that whole scene when he Jack Nicholson's starting to realize that his senses are heightened and he steps out of his office and he's just overlooking the inside of the whole building and you can see the elevator in the center and all the people milling about and he's listening in on conversations. And I just yeah. I love that. That's the one that actually stuck with me from this movie of anything else. It was this and sort of the end scene. The end fight was with the two things that I remember vividly from this movie. Yeah. And the, the great thing about that particular scene and a couple of other moments in the movie is that it they, like it's not rushed like they they took it's not rushed but it's also not dragged out like he he's realizing this stuff and we're realizing it with him you know right. like he's there he's kind of first he st- he just stands there and notices that he's kind of picking up on things from further away and then you can see his eyes moving back and forth to try to find where the voices are coming from and then you know then he starts sort of like uh not channeling, but like focusing his hearing on particular points yes, and like realizing that he can kind of direct it toward like a particular, like, Oh, I hear people talking in that office, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Yeah. That was really cool. And he was still kind of like, like what? I, I just think Nicholson is fantastic in this movie. Like he could have hammed it up so much and he didn't. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Think he did a great, great he, job. He was so good in this. Um, so supposedly the um, <coughs> excuse me, supposedly the ending. There's a rumor on on the internet, and as well as it's a supposedly fact in Wikipedia, as we all know, you know, encyclopedia by general consensus. But yeah. supposedly the ending was poorly received, so they reshot it and delayed the movie for six to eight months. But IMDb has a contrary position where it says. Um, it, the third act was not reshot. It, the only added shot was Will jumping over the bars of the stable in which Laura had locked him because the studio felt they needed extra action in the movie, which supposedly, allegedly, this cost them a million dollars, and uh, Nichols called um, $700,000 worth of aspirin for the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Supposedly... It, it, the ending wasn't reshot entirely. They just added in a scene for action. But is there some? Do we know what it was originally, and then they like they changed it to something else? Supposedly, I don't know. I couldn't find anything on it, um, uh, so it's hard to tell. And there's just a lot of speculation. And like I said, it, it actually makes more sense. Oh, I didn't actually say this, but <laughs> it actually makes more sense that they felt like it needed one more little action scene. Which actually, that would have story wise, that would have work that it does work because you kind of need to see him jump over the bars and get out because at that point yeah. you're like yeah go you know yeah oh i i love that shot of him going up and over like because i'm, I'm i think it wouldn't have worked if they hadn't put that in right yeah, um, exactly 
like it's because I didn't know how high the stable doors went or how high the roof was or how did it go all the way up to the top or, you know, because he was like jumping and jumping and trying to get out and trying to get out. And I couldn't picture in my head, like, what is this, you know, is he going to break the bars or is it, you know, I didn't realize that it was a, there was a point enough space for him to go over until they showed him going over. Right. Uh, and I also love I don't know why, but I love shots in movies that are looking down on things. Right. Um, <laughs> And that was an opportunity for to, for to get one of those. So yeah, you know, and it's funny too because now that I think about it, I, it it's possible maybe they just had him simply knock the gate down, and, mm. and it's far more dynamic for him to leap over it than to knock it down. Yeah, totally. So I could I could see that if that's the truth. We don't know. Well, maybe someday we'll look into it and get back to it. But um, mm. supposedly Jack Nicholson spent twelve years trying to get this movie made with his pal Jim Harrison. Um, and he, really? he had the power to pick whatever director he wanted. And apparently he had collaborated with Mike Nichols on carnal knowledge. So that's why he picked him. And, yeah. um, I don't know about the Sharon Stone thing, but he chose Michelle Pfeiffer, um, because she was on witches of Eastwick or yeah. in witches of Eastwick. And of course, you know, Christopher Plummer adds Oscar caliber sophistication <laughs> to the movie. This is one of those rare A-list Hollywood horror films. They Hollywood never yeah. really, I mean, what? Maybe Silence of the Lambs? And even that's more uh, of a psychological thriller, I guess. Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. Got some names. Yeah. But this but, one did well. Made $131 million at the box office. So that's good. Nothing to sneeze at. No. And the score, of course, is good. Done by the legendary Ennio Morricone. It's who, very good. Oh, so good. People at home may remember him from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and you know tons of Spaghetti Western, yeah. but beyond that, tons of other movies that you wouldn't even yeah. realize. The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Didn't John Carpenter uh, uh, write the... No. Ennio Morricone. That's the one John Carpenter film that he didn't make the music for. It was Ennio Morricone. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I remember watching the, that movie, and it, especially the beginning, and... and just think, just feeling the the um 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 ominousness ominosity yes. <laughs> ominosity of, of <laughs> ominosity <laughs> is that a word uh, ominosity I like that now um the ominousness I guess of the of the scene just with the yeah it, it's great the music's great yeah yeah it's so good yeah. um so I want to get into this a little bit I like I said at the beginning I hinted at uh. I almost think it's technically not a werewolf movie because um, mm. when he goes to that um, Indian doctor who kind of gives him the charm that could protect him from contain his werewolfness or whatever, mm-hmm. um, he says werewolfosity. Werewolfosity, yeah. <laughs> With a set osity to everything today. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. He he's you know he says you're turning into a wolf, and if you notice Nicholson's character sort of remains the Lon Chaney kind of werewolf throughout the yeah. movie. But each time you see him change, he's more and more, he's more and more feral, more hairy, yeah. more yeah. got more claws or longer claws or whatever. And mm-hmm. he never actually goes to that full on bipedal, bipedalocity werewolf that we're used to seeing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, he never does like what we used to call in when we played the game, the Krinos form, you know, like yes, the, yeah. Standing on two legs with the full wolf head and snout and, you know, humanoid arms, but claws and backwards bending, you know, uh, ankles slash knees. 
yeah, and tail. And 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 spoiler alert! I mean, this movie's been out for thirty years. People, you should go see it. But if you haven't pa- if pause this and go see it. But at the end, he becomes a wolf, like a full-on wolf, similar to the one he hits at the beginning. Uh. Um, which, by the way. I'm sorry, but if it was me and I'm driving down the road and yeah, the conditions were bad and I hit an animal, a giant animal like that, maybe I would step out of the car and look to see if, make sure it's not a person and see if it's still alive or not. But I wouldn't go near the fucking thing and poke it with a stick. I mean, what the hell? Would you? No. The only thing I can, I mean, I, I totally agree with you at first. When I was watching it, I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't know. You know. But then I re- now I'm realizing, well, he didn't see it, and he hit it, and he probably figured it, he wanted to get it out of the road so nobody else would hit it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't there wasn't much light in that area. It was a pretty dark road, yeah. except for his head. And he he still hit it without uh, knowing that it was there. So I th- his I'm guessing he was trying to dr- just drag it out of the road so that nobody else would, you know. I don't know. You have to veer out of the way and get maybe get into an accident themselves or something. But I agree. Yeah, because when the, the right after the shot of the wolf opening its eye, you know, surreptitiously and then closing it mm-hmm. again because letting us know that he's faking, it looked like Nicholson was going to go maybe grab it by the tail or the hind legs and and pull it off to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, then of course he gets yeah. bit, and I I forgot it was just a bite when I was expecting it to. I was thinking. Oh my god! If it tears him to shreds, there's no movie. So what the hell happens here? And it just bites yeah. him and runs off. <laughs> yeah, that always made me wonder. Like, why? If the if the if it was a werewolf, was it a werewolf? Well, guys, it must have been. Yeah, if it was, or a person, a, were- a werewolf who had gone full wolf or right. whatever. Like you know, like you said, opened his eye, pretended to be asleep, then got up and bit the guy. It's like, and then ran away. It's like. What was the whole goal there to to pass the curse on to someone else or like you obviously weren't trying to trick Jack Nicholson so you could eat him. Right. Because you didn't eat him. So what was the whole what was that wolf thinking? Like, and, you know? Yeah, I, I, I kind of just surmised or I theorized that it, they're just adding to the pack. And, but I mean, when that shot, when he leaves and you see all the yellow eyes in the woods in all mm. the woods, that was really well done. Yeah, yeah. So they had a lot. I don't know why they would need more, but <laughs> I know. Maybe it was like a initiation ritual or some crazy thing. Right? Yeah, go yeah. out and bite that guy, and if you do that, you can be in the club. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, because it seemed like the the animal was just standing in the road, and right? Then, boom, we got hit. It wasn't like it went into the street and he hit it. It was just there, and then, you know, and I was like, was this thing waiting for the car to hit him, and then? <laughs> Yeah, probably. I think it was done on purpose because obviously yeah. it was laying it was laying a trap for him, waiting for him, but yeah. was not unconscious. You know, kind of reminded me of um, uh, Cursed, where except that one sort yeah. of leaps out of nowhere and smashes into the car. Yeah. Um, you know, I th- was watching this and I thought a funny, a funny thing a fan could do is you take the whole opening sequence, right? You know, you. Maybe cut the credits down a little bit so it runs a little faster and you get to Jack Nicholson driving quicker. He's struggling with the ice and the windshield and the fog and all that. And then, boom, hits the wolf. And then they cut to a cutaway shot of the wolf on the ground in the car there. And then you roll the end credits. (laughs) That's the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Wolf with Jack Nicholson. I said that to Charlene I, I, as soon as that happened and they, it was on the cutaway shot. I'm like, well, that's it. Great movie, huh? Let's go watch another one now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh like God. Godzilla meets Bambi or something like this. Really yeah. brief movie. <laughs> <laughs> with a ridiculously long credit sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, the credit sequence is like twice as long as the actual film. Um, but no, I actually, I guess, I don't know if it's because I'm older now or I've seen a lot more movies or whatever. Now when I watch this movie, I'm actually glad that they don't go full. They don't turn into full Kronos werewolves i guess i shouldn't keep using yeah. the word chronos well um, we, we've explained what it is yeah it, it, they don't they, like when i was younger i was kind of disappointed like oh what a jip they didn't even do it you know but yeah. like now i look at it and i'm like no i like it better this way um i don't know why i guess it's just like the obviously it's easier to do in terms of the effects but then it, it stays for me keeping the actor's like front and center, the characters and like the actors themselves, James Spader and and Nicholson, um, they became animalistic, but not they didn't completely switch over into like uh, animatronics or CG or whatever. They so the whole movie you were always looking at their faces and their eyes and their body language and right. I, for me, I, I liked that this time around. I agree. I agree. I did the same thing. I, I noticed that I that it worked far better this time because like you said you know when we were in our 20s we were expecting another howling or something um and one thing too did you think i I mean i thought that not only did jack nicholson more and more look like uh hugh jackman's wolverine but james spader kind of looked like sabertooth oh i didn't even think of that that was like james spader was really creepy in this like once he started wolfing once the wolf was in him once he had been bitten and it started like like all of his way of being sneaky as a human and trying to hide his you know his malice and everything that he just kind of was like screw it and he just his manipulative nature and his his malice and everything was just so obvious on his face and in the way he looked and talked and uh approached people and stuff and was like wow like i think he did a great job of showing that other side of him coming through Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and he was—he was the opposite of Nick. Because Nicholson was kind of like reluctant or unsure or you know scared about it. But Spader's character was just like, bring it on, <laughs> right? Because you know? he had that you know bad guy edge to begin with, and Nicholson was yeah. essentially a good guy, you know. Yeah. So, and yeah. I like that conversation that that he had uh, that Michelle Pfeiffer has with a lot of the conversations that she has with. Um, uh, Will Jack Nicholson's yeah. character? Yeah, what's what's his name? Will. Will. Yeah. Is the, na- the main character's Will. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They, the, a lot of the dialogue between the two of them is just really, really well done. Like it's not just there. Like, hey, audience, this is exposition. You know, it's like she's helping him process what's happening to him, and you know, and I, I just I think it's really well written, really well directed. I like what they, I like the choices they made in terms of the. The you know type of werewolf they decided to go with, even though it does progress, like you said, he's he's more. Uh, each time he changes, he gets more and more you know, um, animalistic. Yes. The only thing I didn't like, there's one thing, and I and and when I saw it this time, I was like, ugh, I remember this from the first time I saw the movie. There's one bit 
where I think it's when he's staying in the hotel room with Michelle Pfeiffer and then like in the middle of the night he runs out, you know, goes out and runs out and then he comes back and, he, and he's back in the bed with her and he doesn't realize that he went out. But there's this bit where he's – I think he's wearing like regular pants and shoes and shirt, but he's like climbing up this rock in, in Central Park or something on all fours. Yeah. And it just looks terrible. Like it just looks goofy <laughs> to have him doing that. And and then he like howls, but the, he doesn't do the howl in like a cool way. He kind of howls as if like a scorpion just stung his toe, you know? You know? And I'm like, could you get a less flattering shot of him doing that? Like, it just, it's like 10 seconds out of the movie. And I'm just like, that's, I hate that one bit. <laughs> take that, that's take that out or, or just reshoot it so that it's a silhouette and, and that we don't have to right. see his shoes sliding on the rock. And it looks like he's running around pretending to be a monkey or something. It's like, yeah. what the hell? But the rest of it is awesome. But that one bit, I was like, ugh. And earlier than that, when he goes to Spader's apartment because he knows his wife is in there. And he's mm. running up the stairs, and all of a sudden he switches to all fours, and it's mm. cool because you're not really expecting that. I mean, at this point, we don't really quite know what's going on. He's got these extra, these heightened senses, and then, boom, he's on all fours like a dog leaping up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> the, did you notice? Re- oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go. Well, I was gonna say, did you notice that um, in the scene where he goes after the deer, there was a couple of things I had to say about the scene. One is he's dressed just like Lon Chaney Jr. From the original uh, Wolfman with the button-down yeah. shirt and the pants, which I thought was awesome. Um, and then he attacks the deer with these teeth that would never work. He'd end up, you know, right. cutting his nose and not being able to open his jaw wide enough to eat anything. Right, right. Uh, then he bites the deer on the neck. And I, I know this because I rewound it and watched it a couple of times just to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing. He grabs the deer, right? He bites it on the neck and pulls his face away as if he just tore flesh off it. And there's no and there's blood no on his blood face on at his all. Face. Yeah. And then he breaks the deer's neck. And then later when you see him unconscious and he wakes up, he's got blood all over his face and shit. Blood all over him. Yeah. What were they thinking? I don't know. I, I, I Did they not notice that when they were editing? Oh, shit. He doesn't have any blood. on. Oh, he his doesn't face. have any blood on his face. Like, yeah, exactly. He's pulling away from the bite and he doesn't have any blood on his mouth, his teeth, <laughs> his face, his cheeks, his chin. Nothing. <laughs> like even if you didn't want to do a lot you could have done some you know and those phony teeth look like they were going to fall out of his mouth they yeah those did look <laughs> a little although i gotta say in a in a still uh, i don't know i think i saw like a, a a promotional picture or something for the movie where the teeth look really cool um like in a still shot i think they look really scary yeah but when you're watching him do stuff and like move his face and stuff while he's got that sticking out of his, I mean, it, it looks neat, but it's not practical. Like you could never, right. what's the, what was the, what was the cartoon character that, that had like the, the big underbite? Um, oh, um, I don't know. There's quite a few. I just remember. Anyway. Yeah. Like it characters just, with long fangs that go past their chin. It's like, how the hell do you eat anything? I know. <laughs> I wish, uh, not I wish, what was I going to say? I wonder if they did that because of the, maybe they didn't want to focus too much on the upper teeth because they didn't want it to look vampire-ish. So they went with, like, lower teeth sticking well, out. That I, and, and the again, going back to the Lon Chaney werewolf, he has the underbite as well. That's how his Oh, that's right. Portrayed. Yeah, he does. And I think even the Oliver Reed one from the, the Hammer Films uh, version, the Curse uh, of the Werewolf, or Curse of the, Curse of the Werewolf, I think, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so that I thought was like something that they should have fixed. <laughs> I can't. I really cannot wait to rewatch the the original Lon Chaney Wolfman. Oh, good. Yeah, um, I'm really down for that because I I, I I like that. I don't know what it is, but it's I just like that that style, that version of being a wolf man. You know, right? I mean, it's it's much more like exciting or or thrilling more of a spectacle if they turn into this 10 foot you know or eight foot you know giant thing and 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 but i don't know i like american werewolf in london when he transforms he transforms into a wolf like a dire wolf like a wolf on all fours but just bigger right and then you got the howling where they're standing up and walking around like that uh, on their back legs which is the same in cursed and then you know but you've got the lon Chaney one and you got this one where they're human still, but they have a lot of animal qualities to them. And and I don't know. Nowadays, I'm kind of kind of enjoying that. I think from a storytelling standpoint, it actually makes makes it makes it possible for the person to to change, go do stuff, and then still like it's kind of like the Hulk, right? Like he he can turn back into a human and still have his clothes on because he didn't turn into this gigantic thing, right? Yeah, um, you know. And it keeps it relatable on a more human level. You know, it's if, yeah. if it's too fantastical a monster, at that point, Jack Nicholson's not needed anymore, and you've got this, you know, animatronic werewolf. Right, right. And it, exactly. And it, even though it fits with the fictional, you know, world, okay, he turns into this monster, but it's not Jack Nicholson anymore. So it, yeah. it changes the, yeah, yeah. So that also reminded me of um, uh, the, the way they presented him reminded me of uh, the Marvel comic Werewolf by Night. Which they, um, they obviously yes. drew inspiration from the Cheney Wolfman. Yes. Which, by the way, if you haven't, I know you don't have Disney anymore, but if you ever get a chance to check out the um, Werewolf by Night movie they did on Disney Plus, it was really good. It was about oh, an yeah. hour long. It was. I don't know if it was rated R, but it was. It was shot in black and white, except whenever there was blood, it was red. You could see the red. Oh. And it was very well done. Almost like Sin City. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, there huh. may have been a couple other things that may have been, you know, uh, a little bit of extra color, but no, it was for the most part, it was black and white. Um, I love the part where he's in the the men's room, basically breaking the news to James Spader that not not only do I have my old job back, you're out, you're fired, and yeah. then he pisses on his foot, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just marking my territory." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw that on the trailer back when before we saw it. I remember seeing that in the trailer and going, "Oh my god, that looks funny." Oh, that's a riot. <laughs> but you know what I liked? Uh, uh, we were just talking about our I, I mentioned the Hulk while we were talking. Um, that last bit where uh, Nicholson is inside the, the horse stables before he jumps over the the, the, the gate. Yeah. And he's like in there. He rips off the amulet and then he's like grabbing onto the bars and kind of like seething and like look. he's like looking up and his face is all contorted. And I was like, I can almost hear like the. <laughs> the TV show, ding, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like oh, here it comes, here it comes, he's he's, he's there, you know, here it yeah. comes, the end of the beast is coming out. You know? Had that same look on his face, like ah, you know, and you know but that was a great moment for him too, because at that point in the movie, he he stopped trying to repress it, he stopped trying to find a way around it. Right, he just was like, she's in danger, and I've been trying to hold this shit back all this time. Fuck it, and he just lets it all out, and that just worked so well. And that's the last act is for him to pull that necklace off, which was holding yep. him back, and just unleash 
that's the you know the culmination of his character arc. You know, he's embraced mm-hmm. it now. Yep, which was awesome. Um, but you and I had a conversation, and uh, I'm not, folks, I'm not sure exactly what order we're going to release these episodes in. But one of the films we covered was Cursed from 2005, I think, and um, the characters in it that get bitten by a werewolf have heightened senses, and similar to this movie, uh, obviously inspired by this film, they, you know, they're they're kind of going through this change, just like Jack Nicholson did. And Mike, you and I had this conversation about how we didn't really care for the fact, you know, either be a werewolf or be a human. Don't be both, you know? Mm. And, you know, why why do they make the human characters have wolf powers, you know, when it could be just keeping it for when they're a full-on werewolf? But I think this movie answers that question because he's transforming into a wolf. So he's he's yeah. got the powers. He's developing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah, I, I do because because yeah, with um yeah with cursed, I was saying like you know they have like the 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 super senses and and they're they're stronger and faster and you know blah, blah, blah. and I'm like why do they get all these benefits while they're still human? Why doesn't that only happen when they when they wolf out? And then in that movie, they never do all the way. The two main characters never do wolf out completely. So, but yeah, I see what you're saying in this one. It's much more of a gradual overall. Um, progression yeah but even then to be devil's advocate even (laughs) then I feel like it would have been I'm not saying that this is a a problem I don't have this as a problem with the movie I love the movie but I'm saying if if I were writing a werewolf story nowadays after having seen you know and everything that I've seen I, I might start having the senses and the other abilities kind of carry over into human form bit by bit after each transformation rather than have them come in first and then have the transformations come later. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, maybe I'm just thinking about like mixing it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just thinking. Yeah, no, that's funny. That makes sense. The more we talk about these werewolf movies, the more like inspired I feel to write something, but I don't know if I will. But. <laughs> oh, do it, man. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of little touches in this too. And I noticed that, you know, the I remember the first time watching it when he when he goes to confront his wife at James Spader's house and James Spader tries to stop him and he bites him on the hand. The yeah. first time we saw this, I don't think any of us even picked up on that. Yeah, and, to, and then all of a sudden you were like, "Why did he become a werewolf?" Oh, right, he bit him. Oh man, we forgot yeah. about that. Like this time around, I kind of saw it. Um, right, but I love little touches like that. Like at the end, again, spoiler alert: when Michelle Pfeiffer is walking away from the cops and she smells the liquor on them from like you know a yeah. hundred yards, and then you're like, "Oh, you didn't even have to see her turn around and show the eyes," which was great that they did because she's so beautiful and it worked. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, she's... And she said, she repeats she, almost the same line as what what uh, Nicholson said to his co-worker at the beginning of the movie. Which was what? Like, the it, uh, he walks by somebody and he goes, are you drinking, you drinking, you know, uh, I don't know what it was. Um, Tequila. Whiskey this, whiskey this early in the morning? And the guy goes, well, no, I, I had a, you know, I, I don't know. And the guy said, well, how do you, what do you mean? I, you know, I had a little in my coffee and the guy's like, and Jick Nicholson said, oh, I can smell it like a mile away. It was almost right. exactly the same. Thing. That's right. Yeah. 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 
you know, so inarticulate today. What's going on? Yeah. It's, it's, there's one scene where she's talking to him on the phone and she's drying her hair with a towel and he can hear that. And he's like, can you stop doing that? It's hurting my ears. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. She's huh. like, you can hear me drying my hair over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, over the phone. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, did you notice, too, uh, when he was in the park and he was getting all the animals riled up, uh, the two cops that try to stop him? Yeah. Did you notice who one of them oh, was? Oh, David Schwimmer, yeah. 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 Ross from Friends. When did Fr- <laughs> Friends was probably, what, 97, I think? So. Oh, I don't know. This was just before it. Yeah. I love the scene where he kills the muggers. The muggers. You know, they did a... Yeah, they did, and they did that without really showing much of it. They just right. showed, like, you just heard a lot of screaming and crunching, and you know. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, but again, that was like another moment for for the character. It was less about him killing the muggers and more about he was coming into his own a little bit more. Like right. they were like, "Give us some money," and he's like, "Oh yeah, how much would you like?" You know, like yeah. he, <laughs> he was starting to like embrace that side of him and just be like, "Fuck off." But I love how, like, if I was going to approach writing a werewolf story, I would certainly be looking for ways to put other animals or something uh, into the story somewhere to kind of have. So I love the fact that he, uh, they had the bit in the beginning where the horses were upset by Jack Nicholson's presence. Yeah. And then later on in the movie, too, with the horse, he was in the horse stables and everything. Plus the zoo, he goes to the zoo and all the animals are getting all, like you were just saying with the cops. Yeah. Um, and then there's another part where I was talking about the howl that I hated. He howls and like, you can hear all the animals, dogs and everything from the miles around, like howling in response. Right. So I just liked all that little cool stuff and the deer in the woods. Yeah. And, uh, I think when he does finally attack the deer, they, they cut to a shot of a wolf. I mean, a, a shot of an owl on yeah. the, the tree branch. And I just liked that. I thought that was, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, and he, um, she, what's her name? Michelle Pfeiffer's character is riding a horse, and he goes up to her stupidly, yeah. and she knocks her, and the horse knocks her off because it freaks out, and she even yells at him about it. Yeah, what the hell's the matter with you? You know horses don't like you. What do you just do? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you don't just walk up to me on a horse when you know the horse is gonna freak out, you dick. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, oh, uh, uh sorry. Uh, and did you notice uh, too that I, I had the, you've seen the movie The Monster Squad, right? ages ago oh my god oh we're gonna have to revisit that because that's an awesome movie but there's one scene i'm sure you remember where basically she uh, like we've talked about nicholson sort of trapped in this in this um pen for or whatever you want to call it a horse stable and uh james spader's attacking her and she turns around and kicks him in the nards i'm like kick him in the nards kick him in the nards yeah 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 (laughs) yeah that's awesome and I like that she kept fighting, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's funny because she grabs the pitchfork, and and Aiden kind of walked in and toward in the last fight there, and he's like, "What can kill a werewolf again?" I said, "Silver." And then she grabs the pitchfork. He goes, "Oh, is that made of silver?" I'm like, "No, pitchforks aren't made of silver." <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't know that. She's not thinking about that right now. She's just right. thinking about getting any weapon. <laughs> yeah. But did you notice their fight when they initially started fighting him, uh, Nicholson and Spader? They it was like if you've ever seen two dogs fight, it was just like they're right on each other. You, where you can practically tell where one begins and one ends, and they're just like, rawr, rawr, you know, yeah. clawing and biting and whatever. I loved that yeah. they did it that way. 
Yeah, I think another thing that irritated me when I was when I first saw this when I was younger was there was a, I, I think at the time I thought there was too much jumping and there was too much like tackling and throwing instead of like actual bone breaking and biting and scratching and whatnot. But this time I thought it was a pretty good balance. Yeah. Um, you know, because sometimes I think we've talked about this before with certain movies that like if you want to drag a fight out and have it not end too quickly. You just have them like throw each other across the room and throw each other across the room and throw each other. And then it's like, every time they throw each other, they have to like walk until they get back to where the other person is and <laughs> or jump. And like, they're not breaking each other's bones. They're not punching each other. They're not ripping each other open. They're not biting each other. They're just throwing each other, you know? Yeah. And it, it, sometimes it works fine in the movies, but if you do it too, too much, it's, it gets to a point where you're like, Oh my God. Enough. Yeah. But, um, and I, I thought it was good this time. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one thing for me first time around um, when we saw it, you know, on its release was that there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of blood and gore in this movie. And mm. watching it this time, it doesn't need it. It works perfectly no. fine, except for that one scene where he should have had a little blood on his face when he bites the deer. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't need it. it was, I thought the movie was very classy in that respect. You know, yeah. like you said, they cut away when he kills the, the muggers you didn't, even though I wanted to see them get ripped to shreds, you didn't need to see it. Yeah, I would, I would have liked to see a little bit more than what they showed, but it would, I, the, the sounds themselves were pretty good. Yeah. Because the guys sounded terrible. They sounded like they were getting ripped to pieces. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that was, that was good. Yeah. I also am wondering if there were several scenes in this movie where the, the, like, the birds and the bugs and the background noises were like, very clear in the background and i'm now that i'm thinking about it i'm wondering if they did that kind of either to enhance the outdoor effect or or to sort of like show like or, or re-emphasize the fact that the the the, the werewolf people could that uh, had heightened sentences had sen sentences <laughs> yes heightened sentences I heightened, heightened sentences at work you know <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear Lord! Oh jeez! Oh God! Oh baby! Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's exactly uh, it. I think there was an illustration of you know what he was hearing. Yeah, because it was a lot more than it needed to be. And like a lot of movies, they wouldn't have bought. Like like you said, when he woke up on the after killing the deer, he wakes up on the on the ground in the woods by the water, and he's got blood all over him. And they could have just you know played music or whatever over that, but it was like, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool in a way. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. This hasn't this is not about this one. This is a, a, something I forgot to say about Cursed was I hated what they did with the fucking dog going back to Cursed when yeah. the when the 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 golden retriever wolfed out because he had bitten a guy on his hand or something. We like, didn't even bring that up. Like, that was so stupid. I know we just glazed over because it, it was so dumb. It's like, really, you reshot this movie and you left that in? <laughs> Oh, so, so stupid. There was one element I really liked about in this movie, too. Or one scene where the, the older doctor, the Indian doctor, is trying to tell him. Or he's not trying. He's telling him about, you know, what's happening to him. And he's he's familiar with the legend. And he's the one that gives him the amulet. Um, you oh. know, he says a demon wolf is not evil unless the man that's bitten is evil, which I thought was a cool line. And um, I like the fact, though, that he's dying and he wants Jack Nicholson to bite him so that he could be yes. a werewolf and, and overcome whatever he's dying from. 
And I always wondered if once Jack Nicholson becomes the full-on wolf, does he ever maybe go back and try and find this guy and help him out, you know? Yeah. I know. I felt kind of bad for him. Yeah. Nicholson's like, ah, sorry, I can't. <laughs> it's like, come right. on. <laughs> you know? How hard is it? I, You know, it's just funny. And I can see how you could see, you know, if someone asked you to bite them, you're not going to do it pretty much. But Yeah, I suppose. What he could have yeah. done was just to in. You know, taking a needle full of Nicholson's blood and injected it into himself. Then he wouldn't have to bite him. Yeah. But I guess that's just so boring that they didn't bother going that way. Just they kind of left it. Mm. Yeah, I think that maybe they just wanted to, like, plant the idea there. And plus, at that time, uh, Will wasn't fully sure what the hell was going on or if that was, you know, if that would even work. Yeah. You know, like, it, it was, a, yeah, it's a very odd request. Would you please bite me? I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> I just met you 10 minutes ago. I was going to say, you. you didn't even buy me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love when, when um, James Spader shows up at the mansion and he basically storms the gate with his Jeep and he runs yeah. the guard over and they show it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back up. Yeah. Okay. He backs <laughs> up. So Although there- I do think the guard should have... Well, maybe the guard didn't expect him to actually run into him, but he yeah, probably should have gotten out of the way. I love how but, these um, movie movie guards just think that you're, you're going to do what they say. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, they didn't show any like when it became apparent at the end that that, that Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, was also going to become a wolf. Um, there was no like they didn't show her getting bitten or scratched like they didn't focus on it but obviously when she was getting attacked by uh james spader's character you know he was flipping her around and whatever he must have scratched her at some point i always assumed it was because she had sex with jack nicholson in fact i think i remember us talking about it after we first saw it because they it wasn't obvious that she got scratched anywhere and then i think I, i don't know one of you, me, or one of our friends kind of posted, posited that theory that it was because they had sex. Oh. Which would make sense. I so, mean, to transfer of fluids, so. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Wow, okay, that's, I didn't even, hmm. <laughs> is, it, is that in the legend somewhere? <laughs> if you are bitten or scratched or if you have kinky sex, <laughs> werewolf, you will become a werewolf yourself. I don't know. Huh. I mean, for me, it just makes sense. It's like I said, a transfer of fluids, whether it's blood or mm. anything else. I don't want to get too graphic here because it's grossing me out. But <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that's that's. Oh, I just right? I just assumed that she got scratched by what's his doodle when when he was uh, yeah he was basically trying to rape her in that scene. You know, he was like right. flipping her over, trying to pull her skirt off and everything. Which is kind of weird. Like, why? What? What, what would? It, I mean, I think he was just trying to rub Will's face in it. Like, oh, okay. Like, ah, eh, you're behind. You know, you're you're in a cage, and I'm out here, and look how awesome I am. I can do whatever I want. And here's the woman that you like, and watch what I'm about to do to her. You can't do anything. You know. And thankfully, they didn't show too much because Aiden's like, "What's he doing to her?" I'm like, "He's trying to kill her." What do you think? <laughs> and he's uh, <laughs> inspecting her birthmark. Daddy's not hurting mommy. Daddy's loving mommy. (laughs) 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 Oh, my 
my God. So is there <laughs> any other things you wanted to bring up about the movie Wolf? Uh, just the, I thought that the way they handled the, the eyes, like the contact lenses with, uh, Nicholson and Spader, I thought it was really well done. Like with wolves, I don't know, like I wouldn't have thought that do using those types of lenses would have made them look more wolf-like, but it worked. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, it's not like wolves in general all have the same color eyes because they don't. They vary. But I don't know. I, if you had told me, oh, yeah, we're just going to use these contact lenses, I would have been like, that's not going to look wolfish, you know, but it does. <laughs> well, I almost like, wonder if because they sort of set it up at the beginning where you got the extreme close up of the wolf's eye that was faking being unconscious. And yeah. then you saw that was the like wolf yellow, in the yellow, woods. Yellow, like bright fucking yellow. Yeah. Yeah. But I think even that sort of, uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but I would imagine that in the director's mind, you plant that seed so that mm. later on when you see it, your brain automatically makes the connection. Oh, they're a wolf, you know? Yeah, yeah. But w yeah, I think, yeah. But even like when James Spader was first starting to become wolf-like, he his eyes weren't yellow yet, but they were like, they, he still had these lenses in that made them kind of, like larger and more round and kind of shiny on the edges, but not quite yellow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that really made him really made it look like, okay, something's going on, you know, and, and just made it was just, just odd enough to make him scary looking and animal ish animalistic without being like blatant, bright yellow eyes or, you know, I don't know. I thought it was well done. Right. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of this stuff, like with the effects, that you can you can either do it not enough or you can go way too far. But I think this movie, in a lot of ways, found a balance um, with a lot of stuff. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was there. There were some chills, you know. It was it was it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was an overt horror movie trying to scare the audience, but it was definitely many scenes where I was unnerved, you know. Mm -hmm. So, final thoughts on uh, Wolf from nineteen ninety four. I'm sorry, I have one final question for you, actually, sure. before we wrap this up. What is your take on the fact that Nicholson is not the one who killed James Spader at the end? I mean, he do he messes him up pretty hard, and then he turns to walk away, but he doesn't, he doesn't deliver the final blow. You know, you that's a good that point, because ordinarily I would be like, well, the main character has to be the one to end the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know... Uh, like sort of like in the movie Ghost, they kind of cheat because uh, Patrick Swayze doesn't kill the bad guy. The window falls on him, so he he, he dies by default. Right. Um, but in this, you're, that's actually a good point. I didn't notice, so I almost I almost think it's a testament to the writing and the directing that you didn't necessarily need Nicholson to be the one to kill him. Mm. I mean, who knows? Because maybe if. He, well, no, see, that doesn't make any sense. I was going to say if he was the one that killed him, then he would revert back to him, but it didn't happen that way, and I'm just being stupid right now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't it, – I, it's to the point where I didn't even think of it, so I guess I don't have a problem with it. I think ordinarily <laughs> rule of thumb is, yeah, your main character should be the one to dispatch the enemy, but it didn't yeah. need to be this way. I, I didn't notice it either uh, before, I don't think, but this time around – 
when he was walking away from James Spader after he had trounced him pretty hard and Spader st- like got up and picked up the, the gardening shears and was getting ready to jump on him. Like wouldn't Nicholson hear him like crunching on the leaves and getting ready to jump. And I thought, okay, Nicholson's going to turn around at the last minute. Cause I couldn't remember the ending. Yeah. And I'm like, Nicholson's going to turn around and fucking kill him or something. And then while he was in mid jump, you know, she shoots him and he dies. And I love that she like emptied the, the whole gun into him. That was great. Yeah. But, um, and then Nicholson still kind of turns, he sort of seems like he doesn't know what the hell just happened until the gun fires. And then he turns around and sees that the guy's dead. But I think I almost feel like it was kind of a good, um, like almost like a, a halfway redeeming thing for him as a, as a guy at the beginning of the movie. Like you said, he's, well, he's a schlub, but I mean, he's not like a, Maybe it would. Maybe they were trying to prevent Will from having to murder the other guy. He, like he turned, he wolfed out to the point where he kicked the shit out of him. But they didn't want to have him like go full. You know, I don't know. Right. Although he does, he kills the the guys mugging him, so that's a dumb thing. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe they did it for some kind of dramatic reason. Is what I'm saying. Like maybe they. Yeah. And it's know. funny because I remembered it as, you know, walking into this viewing, I remembered it as she shot Nicholson's character. And I forgot oh. how James Spader died. And so I was pleasantly surprised that the end was was different from what I remembered it. I, would, I hate when I go, oh, yeah, I know what's coming, you know. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah. Um, yeah, I, that was a great question because I hadn't even considered that. and. You know, ordinarily, yeah, it should be, it should have been Nicholson, but maybe, like you said, they kind of wanted to, I mean, he didn't, you know, James Spader killed his wife, killed Nicholson's wife. Yeah. You don't see it, but the cop tells him, tells Nicholson basically her throat got torn out. Um, Yeah. I'm thinking too, like, I don't know. But I I still, I'm, I'm a little bit stuck on the fact that, like, I feel like Nicholson would have heard him getting because they were only like 10 or 12 feet apart the, the nicholson would have heard him getting up and and i mean they were you know at this lake house in the middle of nowhere it's not like there was a lot of traffic around him and he would have heard the attack coming and and he just didn't well the background music was um, so loud he, how could you hear anything out of it there you go that's what it was. <laughs> for the horses I mean, yeah, like, I mean, the, I think, ho- the horses were making noise. He's got his head knocked around quite a bit. He's probably dazed from that. So maybe yeah, even if he was true. hearing it, it was just part of the background noise that he just didn't even couldn't differentiate things. Mm. Anyway, it's it's not a big problem. It's just it's just something I'm I'm turning over in my head. It's a funny I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm not even I'm not even saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying like. I wonder if I wonder how they could have tweaked it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. it should it should be better. I'm just like, hmm. Or he could have sense. turned, but almost too late. But yet, she, then she shoots, you know, Spader like like right as the the shears are about to penetrate his skin or something. Yeah, I don't know, but it's fine. I had no problem with her killing and killing Spader. I just thought it was odd that, yeah. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> And also, it, would, it might have been a nice way to extend the fight between the two of them for another like twenty seconds or something, you know, if there was a little bit more of a rah 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 before she shoots the dude. Right, know? right. But, so, final thoughts, Michael. Final thoughts. I really enjoyed this a lot more this time around, and I I'm surprised because I remember not being that into it, um, and. uh 
makes me want to watch it again actually even though i just watched it for this yeah makes me want to uh go back and kind of savor the bits and pieces even more than i did you know like with no deadline just right right <laughs> um but yeah I, I thought it was great i think the casting was great the director's great the script is great um it's very very well done it's it's not i mean we talked about cursed the other day and how how cursed is like so full of like well, you said they had the reshot and everything. They so many cliches and so many. It's like it's not. It doesn't engage you or hold your interest that much when you're watching it because it's just like a movie, movie, movie. Yeah, like a popcorn movie. But this movie is is is. I don't know. It's it's a supernatural movie, but it's it's a, it's on a very human level. Like there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on between the characters and within the characters and i just like the way it's handled overall as a topic i agree i agree i was going to use that exact word i was going to say that it's very human and relatable for a werewolf mm. movie um i also enjoy this more so than the first time i think when we first saw it, we were in our 20s and we had certain expectations and mm -hmm. you know it's needed a couple decades to sort of separate ourselves from those those expectations um you know it's super fun and nicholson's character arc is just well done throughout the film uh, he just puts on a great performance as his his whole demeanor changes as he transforms into this mm -hmm. beast um and of course michelle pfeiffer is always good to look at and she's super talented and you know james spader makes a good villain i mean it was just the right combination between mm -hmm. you know the writers directors and these three actors you know it just it, it works it's a it's sort of lightning in a bottle i think yeah um i definitely yeah, recommend I, it and, and this is especially for folks who are out there who if you're not into blood and gore but you still want something kind of scary and thrilling absolutely hands down this movie is not gonna you know it's not gonna make you scared or grossed out or anything like that at all it's very classy yeah. very well done it's like a drama with a little bit of with a supernatural sprinkle on top. <laughs> right, which is um, kind of like the original Universal films. They would approach them that way because they weren't making horror films per se. They were making dramas that had a horror element, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's about the characters and they happen to be plagued by this problem, but that's not the main, you know, that's yeah. not all, that's not the only thing that's going on. It's, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. All right, yeah, folks. yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on today's 2023 13 Days of Hallowtober, where we talked about Wolf from 1994. Don't forget to check out our website at havenpodcasts.com for more shows and blogs. Join us again next episode. For more werewolfosity. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
and horror films of the 1970s. If you like what you're hearing, please go to wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that other listeners can find us. Thank you for joining us today, and have a wonderful October. like the one you just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com